Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Now, we're going to jump into this text, and now you're going to say, well, aren't we in chapter 5? How come you're going back? You start preaching backwards, you know. I want you to get the full context of what's going on. See, if you don't get the full context, you just lift something out of context, then you have a pretext. In other words, something is not true. It appears to be true, but it may not be true. And so we need to see it in its context and really wrap our head around it. And so we're going to pick it up, chapter 4, verse 31. All right? You with me? Anybody else want to go somewhere else? No? Okay. Verse 31. Follow with me. After they prayed, meaning these are the disciples, they've come together, Peter and John just left out of jail. <clears throat> After they prayed, they, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. So you see their condition. Filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and mind. So they're all united. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. I like how they worded it. The church was doing splendid. They were all having a good time. With great power, the apostles continued to testify uh, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace, literally means great grace, was upon them. There was no needy person among them from time to time. In other words, not all the time, but from time to time. Uh, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale. You're wonderful, honey, and beautiful. You always know it. Thank you. Brought the money from the sale and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was... <clears throat> Where was I? And it was distributed to everyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now let's pause there for a minute. Do you realize that these two verses, 36-37, are actually an act of repentance? doesn't look like repentance. It looks like just an act of generosity. But it's actually an act of repentance. You see, Joseph was a Levite. He was of the tribe of Levi. He was a priestly tribe. The priestly tribe of Levi were not to own any land in Israel. They were scattered throughout the land, and so they did not own their own property. Secondly, he was no longer even in Israel. He's living in Cyprus. He even left the country. He's like, "Ah, I gave up on it. Thirdly, he's not even involved in the priestly ministries because, again, he's living in Cyprus as a Cyprian and is no longer even in Israel. Only at this time is he in Israel because he came for Pentecost. Are you with me on this? So when Levi, or excuse me, Joseph here sees what's going on, he says, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to have this. I know I was out of line. I'm going to go ahead and sell this, and I'm going to give this to the Lord, and I'm going to get back to giving myself to the Lord and serving Him as I was called to do. And so this is a great act of repentance on Levi's, or excuse me, on Joseph's uh, part. Now, the next verse, verse 1, by the way, 
you know, that man put the chapters in there, but it's really, it's all together. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Where'd they get that from? You saw Joseph and the other ones doing it. And with his wife, full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Where did he get that idea from? Saw the other guys doing it, right? Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has, what? Filled your heart. The same terminology, it's a contrast to what we just read in verse 31. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. How is it that Satan has filled your heart? That you have kept back for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Answer, yes. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Do with as you please? Answer, yes. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to whom? To God. In other words, don't ever think that the Scripture doesn't say that Jesus is God or the Holy Spirit is God. And the Scripture always says the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and Jesus is God. People say, no, the Scripture doesn't call them God. Yes, it does. It shows it right here. You, haven't, you lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and what? Died. That was a drag, huh? But he didn't see that coming. And great fear. This is interesting. We've gone from great power, great grace, and now great fear. Literally, megaphobos. Phobic means. Great fear seized to grab hold of all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward and wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in from shopping. She, just kidding. Oh, that was a Tim version. She's off somewhere doing something. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Pause for a moment. Right then is her opportunity to repent. Right then it is God showing mercy to her, to give her a chance. Are you going to keep going? You had three hours to think about this. And now what's your answer? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test, put on trial the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. It's never good to come in vertical and go out horizontal. You understand, right? She didn't see this coming. At that moment, she fell down at his feet. By the way, what are at his feet? All the monies they just brought it. So she falls out, boom, right on top of all the monies there, at his feet, and she died. You got that. The young men came in, finding her dead. It's like, oh, another one. <laughs> Carried her out, buried her beside her husband. That's sweet. Great fear again seized 
the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, a lot of Bibles stop there and they break it up and some, like mine, will actually put in there, it'll first say, you know, like purge it from within, purge it from without. And it kind of like breaks up and like this is the end of the story. It's not. Pull the whole context together. It says this. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch or portico. But notice, no one else, like who else? Who else were they just talking about? Like Ananias and Sapphira. No one else, like Ananias and Sapphira, dared join themselves to them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, don't you love three-word words? Never, it's, we can't spell to begin with. I can't. And then you make a word out of three words. Albeit, nevertheless, nonetheless. More and more, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. It's interesting, the actual literal translation is they believed and were added to the Lord. Father, we ask your blessing now. Help us to understand your word. Help us to grasp what is really being taught here. Help us to hear what your spirit has to say, not simply what we think it's telling us. And Father, we ask you to move among us and challenge us. Speak to us, Lord, who are saved, and speak to those who may not yet be. We love you, Lord, and we, we are just so glad that great grace is poured upon us. We thank you now for these things in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen and amen. My original message was titled, The Fakes, the Frauds, and the Phonies. They said, eh, might be a little strong. So I'm just going to call it the pretenders. Is that better? The pretenders, the great pretenders. It's interesting in this text, there's actually two schools of thoughts, two interpretations of the text. Matter of fact, I think the cartoon might have leaned towards the first school of thought. The first one is this. They interpret this text to mean these are two believers that came under God's judgment for lying. The second school of thought is that these are two unbelievers who came under God's judgment for lying. So which is it? Are they saved? Are they lost? Are they almost? Not quite. You can't be almost not quite, right? So we rule that one out. They're either saved or they're lost. Now here's the problem I have with view number one. View number one, it says these are two believers <clears throat> that came under this God's judgment for lying, and in this case, lying to the Holy Spirit. If that were the case, then that would mean when Jesus went to the cross and he died to take on man's sin upon himself, and he took on our judgment, then that would mean he took on all of our judgment except for the sin of what? Lying. And if he took on all of our judgment except for the sin of lying, and the penalty for lying is going to be death, how many would be in church today? Two guys carrying the rest of us out. (laughs) Oh boy, busy day today. (laughs) Maybe that's why there's always cemeteries next to churches. I don't know. I'm glad we have ditches. We just throw them in a ditch. (laughs) Oh well. Here's my other problem 
with view number one. That if these are two believers that God was judging for lying, here's, actually, here's what I've been told. Someone told me once, well, God is trying to emphasize his point. He just started his church. So right from the beginning, he is emphasizing the fact that God is not one to be trifled with. So I'm like, really? Is that how God operates? You know what that's equivalent to? That's equivalent to you having kids. And in order to teach the other kids the importance of not lying to mommy, you kill one of the other kids. Does that sound a little absurd? You say, what what parent in their right mind would kill one of their children in order to really emphasize the point to the other children? Do you see how absurd that is? You say, God, I mean, if that's your God, you're in a lot of trouble, right? If you think that God's going to go around and kill his children so his other children will do this to, to them, don't you lie to your heavenly father or this could happen to you. Then I'll tell you what, you got the wrong view of God. As a matter of fact, you have a view that Satan often uses his text to portray God to you. And to get an image of God in your mind that God is this type of God. And that great fear, by the way, the scripture says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Is that true? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but great fear seized them. And literally twice it says that. Not just little fear, not little baby fear, great fear, mega phobos, mega fear grabbed onto them. It means to pounce upon like a lion pounces on its prey. Were the people in the church fearful? Yeah. You would be too, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, if something happened, all of a sudden, someone hits the dirt, takes a dirt nap, and you think, wow, that could be me. Fear would grab hold of you. But just because you and I, even as Christians, have fear grab hold of us, that doesn't mean that's from God. Just because it's reading in the text and the church was fearful doesn't mean, well, Ananias must have been believers. I had some people say, well, his name is Ananias, which means God gives graciously. That doesn't mean you're saved just because you got a cool name, right? I mean, the name John means God is gracious, but not every John you meet is a believer, right? So my people make their doctrine out of crazy things. All right, so what is happening? This is not God judging his church for lying. This is God protecting his church from Satan. You see, point number one is this. There is a trend that we need to realize, and it's this. Whenever there is a spiritual high, whenever you see God moving and working, you can be sure Satan is right there working as well. We just came off a spiritual high last week. You remember Easter? Any of you remember Easter? That was a great service, wasn't it? That was awesome. I mean, man, we were praying up and gearing up and practicing up and everything. I mean, Easter is like the Super Bowl of Christianity, isn't it? It's like, whoa, man, we're here. And we always know a team's going to (laughs) win. And we always root for the right team. So we're like, man, we're so pumped. And, And this morning, I tell you, the first service... When I first come in, I'm like, wow, boy, what's up? But everybody was saying the same thing afterwards. They said, man, what was going on? I could just feel the, you know what I mean? You know what that means? It's like, Whoa. 
Yeah, you just feel it. Man, what's going on in here? And, and about partway through the first part of the service, I'm like, <laughs> that's what's happening. The old devil, here we're, it's what I'm preaching today. We just come off this spiritual high, and the devil exploits that. Why? Because right after a spiritual high, guess what we do? We put our guards down. We pour all this prayer. Man, it's Easter. We're going to be praying. We're going to be, you know, walking in and out of service, praying for this person. Can say that we, we want Jesus high and lifted up, and we want, we get, man, we're so psyched and ready and pumped for that. That after the, it goes by, next thing you know, we're like, oh. I tell you what, in the office, we're like, man, we just come right off a missions conference right in the Easter. We're just like, oh boy, man, it's tiring. But the minute you let your guard down is the minute the devil sucker punches us. You gotta, if you ever get in a fight, you know it. Keep your guard up. If you put your guard down, you're going to get whacked, right? Remember one time I was standing there, it was B.C., of course. I was standing there, and the guy sucker punched me from behind. Bam! Dotted my eye. And, yeah, I had to go to work. The next day was my first day in this new job, this black guy. Yeah. That's right. I won't tell you what happened after that, but, oh, yeah. Let's, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Focus, Tim. But the point is, I didn't have my guard up. I didn't know it was coming. Bam! I get nailed. The devil, he doesn't hit us at the Super Bowl. He waits till we get, oh, he, he waits till we get off that spiritual high. We have this spiritual high. He says, man, God's great. God's working. Oh, man. And we just go, man, it's awesome. And bam, we get hit. And you don't see it coming a lot of times. That's the devil tried to do this morning. Boy, we hit him right back because he's a loser. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hit him right back with Jesus. And boy, I'll tell you what, even the second service like, still feeling it. God is great and God is working. But here's the trend. When the Lord is working, the devil will hit us from two fronts. He will hit us from two angles. The first, he will hit us overtly. That means openly. You see a coming, and you know, wow, this is of the devil. All right? The second is covertly. That means you don't see it coming. It's undercover. And all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. Matter of fact, that one usually hits you before you ever knew it was happening. You're like, man. Where did that come from? Man, where, have you ever driven to church with somebody or heard about, no, heard about somebody driving to church? And all of a sudden, out of the blue, something comes up and they start getting in an argument and you're wondering, where did that come from? Let me ask you, is there a better time to be arguing about something than going to church? Sure, but not for the devil. He goes, no, no, that's the best time. I want those two to argue on the way to church. I want your baby to throw up on you. I want you to be upset before you even get there. Right? I tell you this morning, there was moms with babies going, he knows. That's how it, that's how it happens. Because he knows it. But if he can derail you then, then he can keep you derailed. He can sucker punch you. He can bring you in with an attitude, and you'll leave with an attitude. And it's hard to shake that attitude. But you say, I didn't even see that coming. I didn't even know it was going to happen. The devil hits overtly and covertly. Now, to prove the point, when you think of Jesus starting his ministry, 
John the Baptist goes ahead of Jesus. He starts proclaiming, you know, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is coming. The king's here. And what happens? The Pharisees and the scribes go down and they start interrogating him. And, they, and the devil starts attacking overtly, openly. And then Jesus gathers his disciples together. Remember that? How many did he gather? Ten of them, right? Twelve. I just, I just want to see, test you. He pulls the twelve together, and he says to them in John six seventy, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you, inside this circle, is whom? The devil. Now, isn't it funny they all didn't go, Judas. Right? But Jesus knew exactly which one was the devil, and none of them knew. As a matter of fact, they're probably thinking, hmm, who could this be? Well, it's probably not Judas, so we'll have him be our treasurer. <laughs> right? He had the bag. He was their treasurer, we are told in the Scriptures. And, and it said, matter of fact, later when he said, hey, why are you pouring out that ointment? You could give that to the poor. And the Lord says, ah, oh, he doesn't care about the poor. All he cares about is the money because he holds the bag. You know what it said? Isn't, isn't it amazing that even when it came to him betraying Jesus, that it was money that caused the betrayal to take place. He got 30 pieces of silver out of it. The first betrayal was surrounded about a, from a financial scandal. Isn't it interesting now that the church is formed in Acts 2? The first scandal it hit involves money. <laughs> Never heard of money scandals in church, have you? It happens all the time. So here we see this attack coming uh, from Jesus early on, or to Jesus. <clears throat> the devil comes from the outside, the Pharisees and scribes, but then he infiltrates covertly with Judas. So much so that none of the other guys, even at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper there, and when he says, and one of you shall betray me, even then they didn't go, Judas. They said, Lord, is it what? Is it I? Is it me? They all saw the potential in themselves to do it. You know the scary part about us? Even as Christians, we all see the potential to live devilish sometimes, right? We all see the potential. He says, Lord, is it my, I, could, I know in my heart, yeah, I could have a bad attitude. Yeah, I could do things. Yeah, I could lie. Yeah, I could, I could cop whatever, you know? We see it within us. But there's a one thing to, to have this potential and to know this capacity that we all have. It's another thing to not have Jesus Christ as your Savior as Ananias and Sapphira did not. Or as Judas did not. And not even be a believer. But be so amongst them that they thought, well, this is, he's just one of us. No one even thought of him. So, beware when God starts moving, the devil attacks overtly, openly, and then covertly. By the way, you'll see this trend as you go through the book of Acts. This is the first part of it. Right now, remember what happened? They come out of Pentecost. Our friend there, remember we saw him at the temple. His legs were withered, never walked in his life. Remember that? What was his name? Leaping Larry. That's right. Lord, save them. Man, fix those legs. He's leaping through the temple saying, whoa, man, the Lord healed me. And so here this great thing happens, and the devil attacks overtly, openly, boom, grabs Peter and John, throws them into jail. 
So, but it's not only the outward front. He also comes covertly with Ananias and Sapphira infiltrating, penetrating the body of believers and trying to turn it more into a social club that you join rather than a group of believers that were placed into the church. As a matter of fact, you're going to see this again. Here in this text, you'll see they're filled with the Spirit of God. In contrast, Ananias and Sapphira were filled with Satan. Later, you're going to see God working, Acts chapter 6, and they're going to, the apostles will say, Choose from among you men that are filled with the Spirit of God, chapter 6. And all of a sudden, the attack comes from the outside, and they get a guy named Stephen, chapter 7, and before it ends, they end up stoning Stephen to death. Right? And by the way, that's another interesting thing. It never speaks about Christians dying in Scripture. Although Ananias and Sapphira said they died. But Christians always said they sleep or they fell asleep. Even when Stephen was stoned to death, it said, and he fell asleep. Right? They rocked him to sleep, didn't they? But he didn't die. Yeah, well, you know, another way to look at it. But he didn't say he died. It never says, never refers to believers as dying. It always refers to them as sleeping. Here, these two, it says they died. Both of them says they died. Now, immediately after the outward attack on Stephen took place, what happened inwardly? Not only you come into chapter 8 and you're going to meet a guy named Saul outwardly attacking, but then all of a sudden, verse, uh, I think about 10, you meet a guy named Simon. Simon the sorcerer. And Simon comes in and starts joining. Hey, this is awesome. Hey, wow, look at the apostles lay hands on, on people and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they reach for his wallet. He says, uh, by the way, how much does that gift cost? Remember that? Simonizing. Another scandal involving money, wasn't it? And now you fast forward, you get to Acts chapter 19, and you see the apostles of John come together, and, and the disciples of John, the apostle Paul meets them. And that's if they received the Holy Spirit. They go, oh, we don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. Remember that? And immediately they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Remember that text? Chapter 19. You only go down to verse 13. You hardly get into it. And in verse 13, you read about the vagabond Jews, it's called, who were amongst them, who decided, said, man, this is pretty cool. I think we'll go ahead and try casting out some demons in Jesus' name. You remember that? And so they go, they see this demon-possessed guy. They go, hey, guys, come on. Here's one right over here. So seven of them go over there. Oh, they're going to cast demons out of this guy. And I love the account. Remember what the guy said? Like, Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who are you guys? Remember that? There were seven of them. <laughs> it's kind of funny what happened after that, right? That one guy beats them all up. Matter of fact, not only beat them all up, but stripped them naked, and they ran off naked. <laughs> I don't I think it's funny. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> Pretenders. So you see the trend? All the way through the scripture, when you see God working, and you'll you'll read all of a sudden they're filled with the Spirit of God. Next thing you know, you see them filled with Satan. Next thing you know, you see a, a overt attack and a covert attack. That's how it trends. And so as believers, we need to be ever so careful that not to think that, well, our government's against us, or the world's coming against Christianity. Let me tell you, it's not just overtly. You look at the Church of America today, and it is covertly inside. 
He is destroying the church today. He is destroying his foundation. It's destroying the doctrines based on the word of God. And he is infiltrating and destroying from within as well as attacking from without. All right? There's nothing new under the sun, folks. This trend continues. And it continued here. It continued with these two people, Ananias and Sapphira. Now, real quick. What's the issue? I mean, really, what was the issue? Was the problem that they sold their property? Let's say they sold for a hundred grand. Let's say they sold the property for a hundred grand and they gave ninety thousand dollars to the church. Is that the problem? If they kept ten grand, hey, kept ten grand. Would it have been better if they gave ninety nine thousand? Only kept What if they only kept a hundred bucks? Would that have been all right? No. Is it, amount, is it about the amount of money they kept? No. Matter of fact, uh, in verse 3, he says, when you had that land, wasn't that your property? Said, yeah, it was ours. Now, when you sold it, couldn't you have done anything you wanted with that money? Sure, you could have done anything you wanted. But here's what you did. You made it this offering, and the sale and the offering is if they were equal. You sold it for... Nine or hundred thousand, but you made it appear like you sold it for ninety thousand, and you gave the ninety thousand, as if wow, you gave it all, right? Are you following me in this? So it wasn't that they held; they could have said, "Yeah, well, actually, we sold it for a hundred grand, but we need that to buy a new chariot, so we're just giving ninety grand." Would there have been a problem? Would they have assumed room temperature? No. They would have made it through, but the the problem was that they lied against the Holy Spirit. You see, God's Holy Spirit is starting His church. God is establishing the authority of the Holy Spirit and the divinity of the Holy Spirit, that He is God. And while God is establishing the working of the Holy Spirit, filling these believers and working through them, Satan is over here saturating, filling Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, the word fill is the word pimp limai. Interesting. P-I-M-P-L-E-M-I in Greek. Pimplemi. They, it means to, to take and to saturate through and through so you can't absorb anything else. It's like a sponge that's so saturated with water that it couldn't sop up the milk you spilled. Are you with me? That's what this word. Why has Satan pimplemied you and now he's using you as his instrument, using you to do the dirty work, so that you are now not only lying, but you are coming against, you are blaspheming God. And as a result, Ananias, as you see, dropped dead. Unfortunately, when Sapphira came back, like I said, from shopping or whatever she was doing, she had the opportunity to make it right with God and say, you know, I've been thinking about this. Now we didn't sell it for that. We only sold it for this. They said, oh, that's cool. Oh, by the way, sorry, your widow now, your husband, yeah. But she didn't do it. She conspired with her husband. And you know the story. Well, what resulted from that? We saw what happened. They died. What was the result? Great fear, verse 5 and verse 11, grabbed hold of the church. And we're like, now, I mean, really, if, if somebody, if one of the elders were to ask somebody else a question, and they just drop dead right then, and you're like, wow. 
And Corey motioned the teens to come over, pick them out, and throw them out. And then they asked somebody else, another one goes down, and Corey goes, Do you think you'd be like, Whoa? Do you think you would be like self examining yourself? Like, Oh my goodness. Wow. Uh oh. But see, the thing is, this fear, mega, means great, phobos, fear, phobic, means paralyzing fear. This fear came onto them, was crippling them. Now, does God give us a spirit of fear? No, he doesn't. So where did that come from? How's he crippled them? By changing their thinking about God. Oh, man, if I get out of line, God's going to kill me. If I get out of line, man, I, I'm going to be the next one going horizontal out that door. I, I got to, man. He starts changing our thinking about God. But here's the interesting part. Verse 13 explains what was happening. It says, no one else. What other else was he talking about? He just got talking about Ananias and Sapphira. No one else like them dared what? Join them. Though they were, they were highly regarded by the people. Who are, who's the they and the them? Who are they? The Christians. The believers. And it, so here's what it's saying. No one else like Ananias and Sapphira dared do what they did by joining those group of believers, joining them. Are you tracking with me on here? Though they, those group of believers, were highly regarded by the people. Are you with me on this? So do you see what God's, God is protecting? Uh, the, you know, when someone just comes in and joins themselves, this word means, join means, to glue oneself to something. It means to attach to something, to attach oneself. They come at this as they were just attaching themselves to the group of believers. They were looking at this and saying, wow, this is cool. Because you know what? I mean, people are getting saved. Uh, people are, you know, they're, they were crippled for 40 years. Now they're standing and leaping through the temple. Great things are happening. Miracles are taking place. And then it's like, wow, this is a perfect thing to be part of. It was like fashionable to hang out with these guys. Right? Yeah, we're one of them. And we're going to join this group. If all you have to do is simply join this group and attach yourself, then what happens to the gospel? You don't need that at all. You don't need the gospel. You don't need Jesus Christ. You don't need to be born again. You don't need to be saved. You just hook up with Christians and just go along for the ride. And guess what? You'll end up in heaven someday. (laughs) Really? That's the idea behind that word join. But the fact of the matter is, we see here John chapter 10 where Jesus said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. But whosoever climbs up and over the wall and tries to get in another way, the same is a what? thief and a robber. He says, you don't climb up and over the wall to get into the sheep fold where my sheep are. The only way to get in with my sheep is to go through the door. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Amen? Ananias and Sapphira said, well, we don't need to go that way. We'll just climb over the wall. We'll just join the sheep fold. We'll just attach ourselves. We'll glue ourselves to it. Here's an interesting contrast. He said, Nonetheless, nonetheless, all one word, 
nonetheless, or it actually said nevertheless, same thing, three words in one. Nevertheless, many men and women believed on the Lord and were what? Added to them. As I studied that out, I was like, huh. I wonder if it always says added. So I went back to where the church started. And in chapter 2, it's interesting, in verse 41, it says, And the Lord added to the church those who shall be saved. And chapter 2, verse 47, and it says, And the Lord added to them daily such as would be saved. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, And the Lord added, actually it says, And many believed and were added to the Lord, is literally how it literally reads. Added to the Lord. Chapter 11, you're going to find again, verse 24, it says, and many were added to their numbers. I said, huh, the Lord never says many joined them. He always says they were added to them. You see, the word join means to attach from the outside. The word added means to be put into the mix, to be put into the mix. Hence, my table of surprises. Except for this. If you were making a cake, you would take these ingredients, this is salt, this is baking powder, and you would add them into the mix, into the flour, and you would stir it all up, and the ingredients were put into, added to make the cake. Are you with me? If that salt is added and then stirred up into that flour, do you think you could go in there and pull that salt back out of there? You know how I know? Because this morning, as I was making pancakes from scratch, blueberry, it said one teaspoon of baking powder, and I put in two teaspoons, no, one teaspoon of baking soda. I put in two teaspoons of baking soda instead of one teaspoon of baking powder. It's complicated. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. And so I'm trying to dig it out of there, throw it away in the gut. And when you dig it out, you got the flour came out and everything. But, it's, but if that was mixed in there, it's in there. Praise the Lord, I got it for it was in there. To add to is the idea that if I got apples for my groceries, I add it to my groceries that week, right? I'll just take the apples and attach it to my groceries. I add it to it. If you drink cream in your coffee, what do you do? You add the cream to your coffee. It's in the mix, that's what this word means, to add to. It's inside. It's not what they were doing. We're joining themselves. Here's a box. They were just joining themselves to the mix. Right? But they weren't in the mix. You like that? I got to figure out how to get the tape off. I got it stuck on here earlier. Like, oh. But just because it's attached to it, it's joined to the mix, but it's not in the mix. Are you with me? That's the difference in this text. Ananias and Sapphira were an example. God protecting his church, telling all the others out there that, hey, if you don't come through Jesus Christ, if you're just going to think, well, all i got to do is join myself to the group, I better quit doing it. I'll never get it off. If all you're going to do is think you're going to just join yourself to it, and you're in, you're mistaken. You, because then all of a sudden the gospels have no effect, and all you got to do is join a group. You see, God was protecting his church. And he says, but even though others were warned and they stayed out from joining, gluing themselves to it, he says, many men and women were added 
into it. We are in Christ. When you and I accept Jesus as our Savior, just as Hunter did the other week, they came forward as far as a man. He goes, I just asked Christ to be my Savior. Let me tell you something. When, when he asked Christ to be his Savior, the Holy Spirit took him and immersed him into Jesus Christ. Didn't just glue him against other believers. No, put him into Christ, and Christ in him, the hope of glory. Isn't that right? Amen. Isn't that right, Jeb? Yeah, baby. He, he was added to the mix. He was added to the mix. Even last week, man, this morning, D. Liebig was there like, yes, yes, I'm so glad that I know I'm saved now. Because she had it here. She goes, man, I had it all here. But inside, I knew I wasn't yet. And I was afraid to say anything about it. He goes, but last week, I took care of it. And this morning, she was just like, yeah, yeah. She knows that she knows. Amen? She knows she's not a pretender anymore. This whole text is about a pretender, two pretenders, that God used as an example, if you will, as the devil attacks, because the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy and to grab us with great fear. And the Lord protects his church and says, no, the only way into my kingdom It's not by joining a group, not by gluing yourself to any church or denomination or whatever. He said, the only way in is through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins. If you think the money, all you could give all the money, if you think all that's going to get you in, Ananias and Sapphira, that's not going to do it. He said, it's only through my son, Jesus Christ. Now here's the lessons to learn. One, You can't fool God. Right? You can fool yourself. You can fool everyone else. You can even fool yourself. It's kind of like mom. You can't fool mom either. She knows. But you can't fool God. No matter what. The other lesson is the devil will attack on our spiritual highs. Don't let down your guards. Because that's often where the attack comes. The other lesson to learn here is that if you are saved, you are added, you are in Jesus Christ. And what shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Nothing. Nothing, Romans 8 tells us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to that? Amen. Amen. They say, wow, that's where I am. I am in the mix. I'm in Jesus, and Christ is in me. And so therefore, here's a lesson, Christian. Therefore, don't let the devil tell you. You better toe the line or God's going to get you. Because that's what he tells Christians. You better toe, you see Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah, yeah, that could be you next. You toe the line or God's going to, that's it for you. We get an image of God that somehow God's just like this. Just wait for it. Just wait for you to mess up and go, whap, there you go again, Tim. But you know what? That's not God. All the judgment that comes against our sin was put on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? For He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Right? He says, my hand isn't like this, Tim. My hand's like this. My hand's like this. So don't let the devil take that text and make God into somebody that he's not. Look at that text and say, wow, 
God knew he better protect his church here and keep all these from just joining and gluing themselves to it. He said, no, they can't climb over the other way. He says, it's only by the door. And many, many knew it's only by the door of Jesus Christ. And many were added to the church that day. So we look at the text. Well, not a happy ending for Ananias and Sapphira. But you know what? If you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, whether you're here or over the internet, wherever you might be, if you haven't been saved yet, it could be a great day for you. Amen? A great day. A hallelujah day. It says, man, alive. Now I know that I know because I asked Christ to save me. We're going to give an invitation. We're going to sing here in a moment. And when we do, during the invitation, if you're not sure you're saved, you say, you know what? I haven't been saved yet. And I want to be saved. We'll have folks here up front. They'll pray with you. They'll be glad to introduce you to Christ. Maybe like the young man this morning that came and said, you know what, I've been saved. I need to get baptized. I, I need to take the next step of faith. I mean, wow, I mean, he's so excited. He left his car running. i got to go in there and tell him. <laughs> I'm, I'm saved now. Whatever the need is. Maybe it's healing. You need us to pray as a gal this morning came up for praying for healing for her knee. Whatever it might be. Maybe you just need to lay a burden at the altar. But whatever you do, don't let the devil stop you from doing what God's Spirit wants you to do. By the way, you know how you can always tell what God's Spirit's working? Because your feet feel like they're in concrete and your body feels like it's moving. It's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So you grab the chair. Stability, right? But here's what I've learned. Tim, if I take that first step of faith, all the rest follow. It's like, wow, that was easy. That was easy. So where are you at today? Father, we thank you, we love you, we bless you. Wow. If it was left to people, who knows? Church could have been totally different. Been a social club that people pay to get into. But Lord, you said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, Lord, we thank you that you knew how to build a church. You still know how to build it. And you build it, Father, through salvation, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for protecting it so many centuries ago. Thank you for continuing to build it even today. Work in our midst today, Lord. If there's anyone who's not yet been saved, help them today to take that step of faith to be saved. And for those of us that are, Lord, would you help our thinking to change? Move away from a smiting God to a God who pours out his grace and his love to us. You're such a good God. You are a good, good God. We love you, Lord. Move in our midst, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing. And as I said, maybe if you're here and not sure you're saved, we can help give you that assurance of salvation, share the gospel. Maybe you have another need. You just come, let our folks pray with you, whatever that need is. You come today. You come.